Football's back. Clemson's 1-0. Life is good. How we doing? Good. You want to talk about Nike? Not really. Okay, fair enough. Tully, great to have you back hosting. It's the first time the three of us have been here for I think, quite some, we think, since the Sugar Bowl recap episode. Um, I'm very grateful to have you back hosting. It's a very hard job to do, especially when you have Cody and you're trying to draw out any ounce of personality out of him or small talk. It's a tough, tough thing to do. I admire you. Mm. Cody, how you doing? It's all about substance, Ben. All about substance. Uh, well, we are here tonight to recap the Furman game. Um, hopefully, you guys caught our uh, weekend recap show. We touched a little bit on Clemson Furman. We'll go in a little more depth here now that we have Ben on the show. And we will also split this one up into a second part, which uh, will include our season predictions and sort of prognostication for the, the entire football season. Um, you two got together earlier in the month and put down an offensive group preview and a defensive group preview. Definitely encourage everyone to go back and listen to those, um, as well as I did a run-through of the schedule, a little bit of a tongue-in-cheek uh, or a hater's guide to the schedule with uh, in an interview format with Shake in the Southland. So encourage you all to go check out our past shows, but we will get into uh, the season that will be this one too yeah especially with the position group previews i think those are non-perishable for a couple weeks into the season i think the only guy that's not going to be playing that we talked about was richard Jurgen. but um other than that i think everything still sticks yep laid, and, laid some good groundwork there. until you know we land on a starting quarterback for good the arguments are still there valid uh definitely well why don't we just get right in here to the Furman game 48 to 7 guys, a decisive Clemson victory. I forget who predicted that properly. Um, you guys remember? You sound like Ben. You sound Well, like you ben. know, you know what's real funny? You know, nobody likes the scoring system until they win, but I will congratulate you because the most points that you can score each week is 33. You got 30, which is the, You just had that you had that ready to go, didn't you? Um so, yeah, you got 30, which is the highest that anybody's ever scored um, in our prediction challenge. So uh, congratulations on that. Uh, your, your ride on top may not be long-lived, though. Hmm. Uh, so this one was all Tigers. Not really a surprise FCS opponent coming in. Um, not only were the Furman Paladins outmatched, I don't know that they necessarily played this game with the type of fire that you'll see in, in some of their subsequent games. Uh, they're pretty well-positioned in the SoCon 
uh, did well last year and just the talent level is just a complete golf. So um, not really the type of matchup we need to go, go through quarter by quarter and break down what happened. I think this was more for us about uh, really this being a, a glorified scrimmage and getting a lot more playing time for um, a lot of players on this team. Ben, you already touched on the quarterback battle that was, we can talk or that, that is we're in the middle of it. We can touch a little bit on some of those takeaways from this game, but um, really, at a high level, I saw this one as a chance for us to showcase some of the freshman talent that's come in and get some of the returning guys um, some important reps as both sides of the ball try to you know um, continue some continuity. Yeah, and really, that's kind of what it is. I was thinking about it as I was rewatching the game um, last night. Um, and it, it, a couple of things struck me. One, it's not a game that you can follow by storylines of how the game plays out, right? The different chapters of, you know, you score, the other team scores, and comes back. Because it's just not like that. I mean, this is a team that we're going to go in and blow out. They're never going to have a chance. Uh, starters are going to be cycling in and out. You're going to have third string guys in at the end of the second quarter. You know, the bench is cleared by the end of the third quarter. Um, so there's just so much going on. It's hard to focus on, on any one thing. Um, I find myself more often having to just focus on certain players. I'm not going to do film review. I'm not going to sit there and start and stop. And, you know, I don't have time for that. Um, there's, and there's, there's much more knowledgeable Clemson folks out there who do that. Um, but it is interesting in that respect. It's just a different type of game. And the other thing is, you know, there, there was a point in time where a 48-7 to win over Furman would have been extremely disappointing to me because I'm like, we're so much more talented than they are. We should just go in there, mop the floor with them, blow them out. The little the slow start that we had uh, would have concerned me a little bit more. But the way that this, this Clemson team is different um, and the way it has been the past few years as compared into years past is that, you know, we're not – it's not like we struggled to put them away. And if we kept the starters in, then we sure as hell would not have struggled to put them away. We're just throwing in so many different people. You're really kind of dumbing down the offensive play calling because you got so many young guys and freshmen in there. The continuity is not there among guys yet. You know, the defense does, of course, what you expect it to do. They just pretty much have a, it wasn't a flawless performance, but, you know, they played well. And Furman was never really going to, you know, have a legitimate chance to score on them, especially in the early going. Um, so the 48 to seven doesn't bother me as much as it is it used to, I guess, because in my heart, I know that if this team and this coaching staff really wanted to, they could have beat them 70 to nothing. Yeah, I, th I feel like the things you can take from it are, like you said, can individual player performance, whether that be through freshman, you haven't seen Justin Ross before. I did right. not know that when he got the, the screen pass from from Trevor Lawrence right there by the end zone that he was going to look like De Deion Kane and in, in juking out the defenders. Like, that was really nice. I, I knew he was more like T. Higgins um, where he could go up and get balls, but I didn't know he could also do some, like, some yak yards after catch type stuff. And then other freshmen, Lynn J. Dixon, like freshman running back, he got a little cramp. Either that or his top end speed isn't what we would like it to be. But, you, I mean, you, that vision doesn't lie. I mean, there's still a lot of players there. There's a lot of... Uh, a lot of congestion and to see to have the vision to cut and, and accelerate like he did like it's it's good to see i i mean we talked a little bit about I me mean, totally and i about the freshman and that was my key takeaway including trevor lawrence yeah and i, I think it's not just the freshman um obviously you get to see whether or not certain things of the veteran guys games have improved you know kelly bryant um as an example but you know looking at a guy like cornell powell and just how much um 
upper body strength it seems that he put on and I felt like his game was at a different level than I've seen it before now in his third year to where like this guy is not backing away from the challenge of all these other talented wide receivers around him he's there to um to make a, a case for himself and he made some great plays in that game will he play backing up Hunter Renfro at the five is that our expectation um, no, he's out at the two behind Amari Rogers. Yeah, he's in there with uh, him and uh, Darren Kendrick. Which you see there, a little. They seem content to use the two guy downfield a little bit more. Well, you saw it in this game. Yeah, with 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 Powell, Kendrick, and Rogers. Yeah, really, they they all had deep balls. The the humorous part of that is Amir Trap was guard or was defending the the two players. So. I mean, but typically the smaller guy is going to defend the two receivers. So right. if you have a six-one Kendrick or Powell, that's potentially a mismatch. Um, yeah, so you're right, though. It, it really is about a lot of it's about the eye candy, right? And don't get anybody injured. Um, it's how you want to come out of this game. Uh, I don't think that the quarter. There, I don't think there was a chance the quarterback battle was going to be settled against Furman. I think there's a chance it could be against Texas A&M, depending on how that game goes, but I don't think it was ever going to happen against Furman. Yeah, we touched on that a little bit. I think it was just, you know, I said, yeah, maybe we would all feel a lot better if Kelly Bryant had come out of this going 10 for 10 or 15 for 15 and, you know, lasers all over the field and making multiple reads. That wasn't the case here. Um, I don't think we really could have seen a performance that would have solidified his starter role going forward. No, I mean, I think Trevor Lawrence could have had a terrible game. Um, and, and really looked like a freshman, and that helped. But that doesn't mean that Kelly Bryant's going to be the starting quarterback for the rest of the year. Trevor Lawrence could have still bounced back from that. But, yeah. you know, a, as it was, I think you saw a lot of encouraging things out of Trevor Lawrence. You did see some improvement out of Kelly Bryant, but you saw some of the thing, same things that has concerned us coming out of last year. Um, you know, it takes him a while to get the ball out. Um, he uh, undershot some guys sometimes. You know, he was just inaccurate and didn't get the ball there. Um, so we did see that and you start to wonder, you know, you, you hear that he's making improvements, he's making strides, um, during spring practice and during fall camp. So this was our chance really to see it, uh, play out, out on the field. And I think we still have some more question marks as far as Kelly Bryant's concerned. As for Trevor Lawrence, yeah, he looked great. Like the one thing that you can tell no matter what the competition is, is the zip on his ball. And how fast he's able to get that ball out of there, and he, he is by far, uh, by far above and beyond anything that Kelly Bryant's going to be in that regard. Um, now, for some of the other things, you know, deep ball placement that that makes a difference. But you know, a lot of times these receivers are just going up against the Amir traps of Furman, and they don't stand a chance. So um, I, I will say this for for the receivers is that, and Cody, you mentioned this is that they made catches that you would not have seen last year. Uh, between T. Higgins and Amari Rogers, Trevion Thompson and Cornell Powell, those guys, and everybody else, um, that was a sight for sore eyes for sure. Yeah, there was the touchdown pass to Amari where the announcer, the one thing he did get right when he was talk when he wasn't talking about oh Braylon Sprechter, <laughs> he got his. <laughs> He said Branson and then and Bailey, Baden, 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 and settled on Braylon. Which that's the part. There's like a spotter there as part of the Raycom crew. There should be a you know a nerd like me sitting beside that announcement, being like, "That's redshirt freshman Baylon Specter, linebacker out of blah 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 Georgia, whatever." Well, the funny part was that he apologized to his parents for messing up his name before he clarified by messing up his name. Yeah, it, and 
calling Shaq Smith a true, I think a true freshman or a freshman. Well, they just kept calling him a freshman over and over again. Yeah. Well, that's last year's roster, bro. The one thing this announcer got right, where he had some some decent analysis, was when Amari got caught the the pass. He didn't telegraph that the ball was coming because it was tight coverage. Can't remember if that was trap or not. So he, yeah, he didn't by putting his hands up by telegraphing the ball was coming. So he does it at the last minute, just like a savvy NFL type caliber, you know, level of I don't know, showing, if you will. And then what was the other thing? He caught a couple slam passes in, in traffic that maybe Ray Ray could have caught, but it's one of those like Artavis catches where you're just stronger than the opposing yeah. defender. Well, and then T. Higgins made some catches that were easy, that looked easy, like the first back shoulder throw. Where he, he, made them, he made them look effortless. For Deion Kane, that's like maybe a 50-50 ball, maybe right. less. So really pleased with the receivers. Yeah, I think overall that that's going to be a huge upgrade over last year, and that's including the advances that a lot of the guys who were here last year made. I mean, we know we're going to get out of Hunter Renfro. You just got to get the ball to him. And Trevor Lawrence missed him wide open once down in the red zone. Um, uh, but, again, guys like Trevion Thompson and Cornell Powell, uh, those guys making improvements. That just, again, nine deep out of that wide receiver core, and it's not like nine deep from last year. Um, Overton had some some good catches in this game. Um, they all played solid. Now, we're going to see when we go up against better competition and better defenses, whether they're able to get the separation, where they're really able to go up and challenge for the balls like they did uh, against their smaller, under, undersized, and less talented Furman team. But the early returns from what we saw yesterday are very good. I'm going to flip it real quick on the offense to the, the run game and not necessarily to touch on who did what in this game. I mean, Lynn J. Dixon looked very capable for a true freshman. Dabo said he's further along than ETN was a year ago coming out of camp. I'm curious to get your guys' take, and we can talk more about this, I guess, in the season preview, but how do you see the carry distribution going throughout the year between this running back core? Well, I, I think you saw a little bit of it here in the first game uh, with Travis ETN carrying the load. I mean, he almost got twice as many as the next guy, Lynch A. Dixon. Uh, carries they, that is they kept him in there in short yardage yeah they did keep him in when i thought shorts. maybe that adam choice uh, should have been in there um i think Tavian feaster is probably going to get i mean you only saw him with three carries he's going to get some more action i think coming back off of that meniscus um uh, surgery i think that he had um I, they're probably slow playing it a little bit just getting me out there getting some game action but i actually liked what i saw out of Tavian feaster when he was in there for the short period of time thought well, he had a good burst right? yeah i thought he had a good burst yeah. Um, I, I tell you this about Travis Etienne. I'm trying to f- now that we're, we're into the second season with him, and we're talking about Lynn J. Dixon too. And I know they've made those comparisons. Is Travis Etienne just when he's out there on the field? It's not just his number that you know you notice. He has a style of running. He has a running style. He's like a body movements that is very much identifiable to him. And it, I, I was taking a closer look as I was rewatching the game, and it's what he does with his feet. He doesn't run with like his feet straight on. They're just kind of out to the side. Um, and I think that really helps him in his ability to make cuts and also hit creases because he was able to just, instead of running straight on with your body kind of squared up and your legs moving forward where you might be a little bit wider when you're trying to hit a hole, he's able just to get so thin, one foot on top of each other, and just hit a crease. Um, and I saw that in this game, and I imagine if we went back and looked at tape from last year that you'd see that as well. So, you know, I don't see that at Adelinde Dixon. He's more of a kind of a straightforward runner, and I don't know how to best describe this. But, again, if you saw the two run, I think uh, very identifiable in the style just watching ETN run. Um, I was a little disappointed we didn't get a 50-yard TD run, um, but I imagine those are coming. 
Well, Furman ranked really highly last year against the run, and they were committed to stopping our run. They're like, hey, beat us over the top. QT pointed this out in his article once Trevor Lawrence came in. It opened it up. It opened up some more running lanes, which, you know, funny how that works, I think, as as in his own words. But uh, I don't know what else to say about the running game. They, they were – Etienne looks good. He may be a little bit more – I'd like to see him against A&M to get a better sample, but – Maybe a little bit more poised and patient versus last year. Well, so there's there's that part of the game too, which I don't think that's something that he necessarily needed to improve on. I like the fact that he would just hit a hole as soon as he saw it, ran for green and just outran everybody. What I did notice is the things that he does without the ball in his hands. Saw him pick up a block in pass protection. Uh, there was one play in one of his uh, longer runs where it was – uh, shotgun snap to Kelly Bryant. I believe it was Kelly Bryant. Etienne's off to his left. He takes a step to his left, acting like he's going out into the flats. And just that movement right there, that that type of mental stuff that you do, that's the little the little parts of the game, the misdirection that maybe he didn't have last year. He did that against Furman, and you saw that little move, and he comes back and gets the ball and cuts back. He got the misdirection, and it opens up uh, the right side of the line for him. So it's the small things like that. You, you want to look at the pass protection, see if we start to utilize him more out of the backfield. I think that's where Lynn J. Dixon is probably going to carve himself out a role. Um, but then also the stuff that he does away from the ball in, in as much as or insofar as the misdirection is concerned. So it was very positive to see that out of him. That's just kind of the next step in progression for him. Yeah, I think what I'm looking for from him is some of the patience, letting a play develop. Um, certainly, we all know what he's capable of from a burst standpoint and you know, seemingly getting to the line of scrimmage before the plays really commenced. That's what we saw last year. We'll see more of that this year, most likely. But I think it's when you let your O-line develop the holes, develop the seams, um, that having that type of timing and patience is what you see out of the better running backs, even in college football. Um, that you know, Jonathan Taylor and even Cam Akers to some extent has that talent. Um, it'll be good to see. Well, that and the good thing about ETN, and you know, we didn't see it last year and didn't see it in the Furman game. He doesn't dance around the backfield. He doesn't do a lot of uh, horizontal movements when he's got the ball. He kind of like Mari Rogers does on those punt returns. He just tries to get upfield as as fast as he can. He does that darts in a straight line. Um, C.J. Spiller was guilty of this a little bit, where he did a little bit too many dancing the backfield at times. You don't see that at ETN. You know, one thing this year, we our guards are more athletic than they were last year. Sure. Kind, of, kind of the trade-off would be that they're more athletic, so they're going to be able to get get out and pull and do some lead blocking on opposite side. Um, not going to be quite as good off the line of scrimmage and like a like a dive through the A or B gap. So that would actually lend itself to a runner that will let things develop. Because um, I mean, Pollard's been playing tackle his whole career, and then you got John Simpson, who's Probably beast. the yeah beast. He's probably the most athletic, one of the most athletic linemen on the team. So yeah, he'll need to develop that patience, or maybe that's what that's Feaster's opportunity or window to make an impact. Um, you guys referenced pass blocking. Um, I don't necessarily think we saw too much of that on display in this game. You you mentioned there were one or two that where uh, ETN picked that up. That's great. That'll definitely be something we need to look at here in the A and M game. I'll be looking for. Um, how about receiving the running backs on the receiving end? Um, you know, who's the guy this year? I know we had CJ Fuller in years past. Uh, that's like our wheel route specialist. Any any of these guys emerging? Well, I, I think you gotta hope ETN at least brings a something a little something extra. I mean, again, that's another part of his game that he can certainly add to. 
it'll be interesting to see if they do get it out the future in the flats. But I really think that's it's going to be Lynn J. Dixon's at least it's something that he um, is more adept at than the other running backs on the team. And there, there was no re- receptions by running backs in this game. Now, not to say that we didn't build, you know, that might have just not been in the game plan, but I would like to see more of that, at least to, like, see what these guys, see the guys that are coming back from last year, how they could have improved. You know, what's funny is Feaster played a lot of receiver and was really good at that in high school, and I haven't seen any of that so far to this point in his career. And granted, his freshman year didn't play that much. Sophomore year, he was with Kelly Bryant. We'll see. But maybe it's Lindsey Dixon, but maybe it's actually Feaster. You might see that could be where he could carve out more of a role as well. Um, last thing I want to touch on on offense was just the emergence of Braden Galloway um, as a tight end receiving option. It was nice to see that again. Like we've been spoiled over the years with, I mean, yes, you know, uh, Jordan Leggett certainly, but um, going all the way back, it's actually more the exception for Clemson not to have a potent uh, tight end receiving option. So good, to, good to have that back. Garrett Williams is back too. He was certainly played a role in this game from a um, pass protection standpoint and, Levy had a reception as well. So um, anyway, that that's a wrinkle that I'm definitely pleased to see come back to this offense. Yeah, and I was really surprised, actually. I didn't think Braden Galloway was uh, going to get... I mean, he was in the game early, too. And you didn't see really any of the other... I mean, what Cannon Smith got a reception. Um, but Braden Galloway, you know, those three receptions, he looked really good out there. I mean, his body is there physically, it looks like, you know, for a true freshman. Cody and I were, were texting back and forth last night, and I mentioned how I thought by his sophomore season... He could be the the at the best version of Jordan Leggett when he was here. And Cody says, well, you know, as a freshman, he's as good as he was as a junior, which I think we were saying the same thing. But we weren't saying the same thing. I was saying because Leggett was so good his senior year. In right. His, in his junior year, he was mediocre, above average. And I'm saying Galloway, from a cast, pass catching standpoint, could be as good as Leggett, is, Leggett was junior year. Right, and he could be knocking on the door of the senior year next year. Now, I don't want to downplay anything that Jordan Leggett did his senior year just because, I mean, the national championship game alone, uh, those incredible catches that he made in crunch time, can Galloway do that? You know, it's one thing that, yeah, it's one thing to make catches like that in practice, but can you do it when everything's on the line? So we don't know that out of him yet, but what we did see from him yesterday is um, I'm extremely positive about that because that's exciting to have. Uh, a potential impact guy in that role at the tight end position for the first time since Leggett, which, you know, given there was only one year gone, but even prior to Leggett, like there was a, you know, in his early years, there was a gap between the previous guys that we had, Dwayne Allen, Brandon Ford, all those guys. Um, So guys, maybe before we move off the offense, we need to address quarterback play. Um, The way the coaches decided to roll through this was a little bit of action from both sides throughout the game. Uh, Kelly Bryant, obviously your starter, uh, little bit of an inauspicious start we had a uh what a uh we went for it on fourth so the series did not not move forward um on the first series and from there i mean kelly um maybe there were some nerves involved i'm not sure but um wasn't as sharp as he later in the game turned out to be in this one opening the door for trevor lawrence to come in um as i think you mentioned ben he had a lot of zip on his balls sometimes a little too much for the receivers um, so they're going to work that out, I'm sure. But um, in this one, you definitely saw flashes of all the promise that Trevor Lawrence brings to his game. And it was great to see that showcased. We are in the Trevor Lawrence era, um, so thankful for that. But um, I, I think as you referenced at the top, no dis- no decisions really are able to be made coming out of this game. I mean, do you guys feel like the coaches are any closer to understanding if they're going to make a move off Kelly Bryant? 
Uh, not after this game, I don't think. Um, again, I, as I mentioned, I think after Texas A&M or during the Texas A&M game, you may see um, a sim- similar situation like with Cole Stout and Deshaun Watson uh, back uh, whatever 2014. Um, but it's going to have to play out. We know Kelly Bryant is capable of going into hostile environments and winning ball games. Um, and we know that he's probably going to do better with better receiver play. Um, the question is, is, can the run game be a threat? Now, with his legs, he looked great against Furman. He had kind of that ferocious or like aggressive running style that he lacked after he was battling some injuries last year. And he's going to have to continue that because that's the thing that sets him apart. That's the one thing that he has on Trevor Lawrence for sure. I mean, he definitely has game management, knowledge of the system and, and everything like that. But his running being a factor is a huge asset to him. And I think um, that's going to be a lot of what goes into making him successful this year. That being said, you know, he needs to compensate for his inability to get the ball out fast or get a lot of zip on the ball with being accurate and making the right decisions and going through his progressions. He wasn't, he still struggles with his progressions. He had a little bit better touch on his deep ball in this game. Uh, that one to Cornell power floated a little bit, but he was in the midst of getting hit. So, uh, the fact that he stood and took that hit, was able to, able to complete that pass. He saw another deep one to Amari Rogers that he landed in there quite nicely. Um, so we'll see. As far as Trevor Lawrence is concerned, I mean, Cody, you mentioned it. Like the, the ability to open up the run game because he is a better downfield passer. He is better across the middle. Guys aren't going to be able to stack the, stack the box and load it against the run um, because he's a, he's a weapon. He's a threat downfield. So that did clearly play out in this game. As you saw, Clemson had more success rushing the ball with the running backs with Trevor Lawrence in the game than they did with Kelly Bryant. So when Kelly Bryant, oh, this could be a hot take, um, when he had those passes, I guess they would be like the, the curl routes um, or, or comeback routes to Hunter Renfro. I think it was two different times he rolled out to his right. Could have been an interception. One, I believe, to TJ Chase where, where linebacker right. jumped the route. Yep. And all I could think of was like, we're having a hard time getting squeezing the ball into these gaps against Furman. They know they saw they saw this on tape. Alabama put out a blueprint that said this is how you defend this guy. And I thought to myself, you know, in our offensive preview, we talked about Kelly Bryant setting a baseline. He'll be at least as good as he was last year. Then I rethought that maybe he actually might regress. Like maybe maybe he either goes way forward or he actually regresses because there's more film on him. His delivery has not changed. I mean, it's hard to it's more, he, it's pressure on him. More pressure on him this year. True, yeah, mentally, like more pressure, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, Tebow will attest to the fact that you can't really change your delivery in offseason. So, I don't know, like, I didn't see a lot that, I don't know, gave me a lot of confidence in his, like, mainly in, like, reading the field, skimming, like, looking off safety. There was one pass to Renfro where he was able to do that. Um, maybe it is a mental part that's holding him back and he's not showing what he what he put forth in practice, but I think it's just limitations. It's really hard to develop in one offseason. Well, again, I think the Texas A&M game is really going to tell us a lot, and I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, if Kelly Bryant kind of plays like that and still struggles with some of the things that he struggled with against Furman, if he plays like that and Trevor Lawrence um, just kind of keeps building and getting better, then it's quite possible Trevor Lawrence coming out of that game could be the, the starter. Now, I could also see a situation where they get them both in, just Clemson outmatches Texas A&M because of the talent divide, and it becomes obvious that they can't score on our defense. Um, and both guys get kind of equal playing time, do some good things, struggle some places. I can see that coming out of going into Georgia Southern the next week 
and you're not going to learn a lot there. It's similar to Furman. So that's how it could start to stretch on. I think Kelly Bryant, if he's going to win this job, it doesn't bode well for him if it continues far into the season because that's only going to allow Trevor Lawrence to get better. And Kelly Bryant, his kind of his elevation of his game is not going to happen as, as rapid of a pace because we've kind of seen his ceiling or we have glimpses of what his ceiling is. Trevor Lawrence, we're not exactly sure yet. We have an idea, but it's a lot higher than what we've seen so far. So I think Kelly Bryant really for him to keep the job, he really needs to go in the Texas A&M game, be dominant, take control of that game, make good plays, uh, do the things and show improvement in the areas that we were told um, he did improve on uh, in the off season. And I think I think I think it'll be fine. It still might not be enough. It still might not be enough, depending on how well Trevor Lawrence does. But I think for certain, if Kelly Bryant struggles against Texas A and M, it's a bad sign for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we'll touch on this in the next section. But you go back to what are the goals of this team and this offense and coaching staff? They want to win a championship. The whole team wants to win a championship, and that becomes essentially what you're striving toward. And uh, an improved Kelly Bryant could be a championship quarterback. Um, but I don't well, on this team with an improved defense and improved wide receiver core, improved running back play. Um, that being said, I, what I had, what was, what kind of was discouraging last year is just the offensive play calling was just so uncreative. And part of that was because of Kelly Bryant's limitations. If Trevor Lawrence is a guy that allows you to be more creative with your play calling, open up the playbook, not only is it just more, add more entertainment value for us as fans watching the game, but it gives defenses more to worry about. Um, I, I will say this for both quarterbacks is that, you know, as I was watching the game on replay, you know, on your DVR, you've got this little button where you can fast forward and rewind by 15 seconds. I was noticing that during our offensive drives with both Kelly Bryan and Trevor Lawrence on the field, I noticed an uptick in, or a difference in tempo. We seem to be going faster. I couldn't skip ahead 15 seconds between plays and catch the beginning of the next play. Whereas when Furman was on the field, I could skip ahead 15 seconds, wait a little bit. So the tempo was certainly improved in this game, um, which is a positive sign, but I still really want to see more creative offensive play calling. Well, as it relates to creative play calling, like the perfect example of that is the Alabama game. We had two in right. there, and you, you, it's, it's not creative play calling. It's here's football. You have what up to like four reads, maybe. You're going to, in most college quarterbacks, you can get to two. You're, you're probably an elite quarterback if you can get to the third one. Um, Tua was doing all that, plus when things would break down, he would keep his eyes downfield. And then and then here comes in Jalen Hurts, and it's like three and out. They have a hard time. You know, they're getting pressure by, at the behind the line of scrimmage Louisville was. And it's like, is it is it the same offensive cl- uh, coordinator? It is. Same game plan, just different quarterbacks. So, I mean, I don't, I don't I mean, I get that. Well, I think there's a distinction here, too, though, of what play calling, what plays the coordinators are willing to call and put out there on film. Are they are we kind of saving something in our offense for a matchup down the line that we can spring on an unsuspecting team versus actually having the same plays go out there and be more successful with one quarterback over the other? Well, again, I I think to 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 justly compare the two here in the early going is that they're going to have to probably show some more out of the playbook than they're comfortable with or used to just because we really need to see what we can get out of both of them. Like you need to see if Kelly Bryant can really make those plays when it comes to crunch time. You really need to see what Trevor Lawrence is capable of. I mean, if you're going to compare them to in a level playing field, you you got to make the, like a little bit more intricate, a little more complicated. Well, my, that's what I, I think, think the first half of the A&M game is all about. Like it might yeah. be the most competitive football you'll see this team play this year. 
my explanation is that you don't need creative play calling if a quarterback is multifaceted right. enough. Like it comes in his in a, a quarterback's ability to go through multiple reads. If you're relying on a, an amazing play call, then that's a huge indictment on your. Quarterback. So your play your play calling can be more dynamic. It, it can, and you're, right. you're you're right. There's some things still, but how many reverse sweeps can you run with Amari in motion and? You know, in, a, in an offensive line that sits still during a play, like how much, how much of that? And no, I don't, you got to be able to put stress on a defense. No, you're not really talking about gimmicks, right. per se. But like, well, and so much of Cody's game is, is the run pass option too, right? I mean, where he, it's not even a play call necessarily. It's yes, like go out there and create Kelly. Like he's doing that. Um, yeah, but anyway. we saw last year when you take that away from him, the the level of play significantly goes downhill and. The difference is this year when compared to last is we've got a guy on the bench that's ready to go in right away and take over this team if need be. And Chase Bryce. Any other commentary about the Furman game regarding these quarterbacks? On second watch, Trevor Lawrence was even better than I thought he was on first watch. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought I was being a huge fanboy of Trevor Lawrence. In real, in real I, I will agree with that. He's got, you can tell he's the, the, the speed of the game is going to come to him and, and it was just Furman. Let's, let's see what Texas A&M shows. Go on the road, night game, hostile environment, college game days there. We'll see. We'll find out this week. Let's talk defense. So, really, in this one, guys, this was not a test of the Clemson defense. It was nice in that we got to see uh, some new talent hit the field. Uh, we saw Xavier Thomas kind of show us a little bit of the flashes that made him one of the highest touted recruits in the country. But across the board, you know, this is kind of similar to the, the offense. We weren't really out here to learn a lot. It was nice to get um, some good reps in there for freshmen and for guys coming back. But, um, Across the board, yeah, great to not see um, too many injuries come out of this. I read a little bit about Jordan Williams potentially being dinged up a bit out of this game. Um, and then A.B. and Dex looked like they were hobbled at one point. Dex got poked in the eye. It wasn't any sort of leg or ankle injury. And, of course, uh, it was certainly really hot and humid in the stadium, so that might have affected uh, just player, I don't know, just you know, well-being and livelihood during the day, during the game, with some cramps and, that, and some other stuff. But... Um, I don't have any huge takeaways out of the defense. I think in reading the Dr. B review of the game, the instant reaction, he talked about wishing that Furman had ponied up and thrown the ball more just so we could see a bit more out of our secondary and understand what we're working with there. Um, but we did not see that. Yeah, they're, um, they're an option team. I mean, it's not like Kent State where they just throw the ball three times because, well, they're scared to throw the ball. It's not necessarily yeah, it's not the what they do. Right. Yeah. Um, now, We'll see how much action they get out of AM as well with Kellen Mond running that offense. Um, you know, it's going to be different. We won't have as much depth on the field against AM, let's hope. Uh, but anyway, any defensive takeaways for you guys? Anyone that struck your eye? Uh, well, for I watched the starting defensive line for maybe three or four plays just to see how Dexter Lawrence was moving, and he was just eating people up inside. It, it, they had no chance. Um, so there wasn't a lot that I was going to take away out of that. I mean, I, you know what Clee and Austin Bryant and Christian Wilkins to do. It was just great to see them back on the field. Um, but when it got to the second teamers and the third teamers, a lot of these young guys, you know, that's when you really want to take a look and see how these guys are doing. Justin Foster looked uh, incredible. He was carrying that, that new weight very well. I'm excited to see that. Uh, Jordan Williams is going to be a beast. Uh, I'm not sure what the injury ended up being. Cody, did you... 
Not sure. I think a knee, but okay. not sure. Uh, so those those two guys are really impressed, as well as Xavier Thomas. Uh, Logan Rudolph looked a little bit rusty to me. I think he kind of blew a coverage on um, a long pass there at some point. But, again, just good to see him back out there. Uh, K.J. Henry kind of looks like a beanpole to me. I know he put on weight. I, would have had, I don't know what he would look like back in the spring uh, when he first came in. But um, he's out there on the field, and he played well. So... Again, good to see these young guys across. I mean, across the entire football team, but the defensive front. Again, you're going to lose four your four starters this year, plus Albert Huggins heading into next year. So these guys are going to have to grow up quick. Yeah, I don't have a lot to say, but Xavier Thomas on one play, you just saw his speed. It's it's unrivaled. Even though it was a third string defensive line in there, it's like okay, there's a future NFLer coming off the edge there. And then Jordan Williams was his counterpart right there in that same play, and you're like. It really is like the, the embarrassment of riches, I think, was overused in previous years where we would, we would say that we have this uh, uh, our second team defensive line could be one of the best in the ACC. It wasn't really true, but there we do have second and third string talents now that will be NFL players. We'll leave it at that. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, at the linebacker position, I think Balen Spector um, is ready probably at this point from what I saw to, to supplant Jalen Williams behind Isaiah Simmons there. Um, I thought he played really well, um, deserving of getting his name pronounced right. <laughs> Didn't really notice too much from the um, the linebackers outside of Shaq Smith. I well, that number that. 10 on Spectre's jersey really calls your pops, attention, right? Yeah, you still get those those memories of Ben Bulware. But, yeah, Chad Smith mixed it up a bunch too. Uh, Shaq Smith was a guy that I thought played incredible. You're, I think you're definitely going to see him kind of maybe like an Adorian O'Daniel – uh, situation where he would only play a lot against like option teams or run heavy teams or obviously at Georgia Tech um, but it's really exciting I think the light may have come on for him because he was all over the place yesterday he looked really good great to see kind of about time that's how I feel about it but um, no it's it's good I think we're the answer here is depth the answer here across the board for this team is depth and not just in a game against Furman but right um, you know knock on wood it's one where Hopefully across the board we can sustain some some missed snaps from certain guys that are starters and not miss too much of a beat. Um, there's other positions where that's not the case, um, such as the secondary. But again, we didn't see them too battle tested in this one. No, and that was I mean that's the disappointing part about Furman not throwing the ball is because you really want to see these guys, the first teamers as well as uh, Mario Goodrich and Kyler McMichael, the young guys getting in there. What see what Nolan Turner and Denzel Johnson can do backing up um, at safety. The safeties were a little bit concerning to me. You saw uh, Muse get beat on a play. He resulted in a pass interference call. Um, That's nothing new. Yeah. <laughs> Johnson and Turner, not sure if they're quite ready for significant minutes. Uh, Nolan Turner out there looks, I don't know, looks tiny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to me personally, he's like 6'1", 205, but he looked kind of undersized out there compared to what we're used to seeing, like and Isaiah Simmons back there, for instance. Yeah, I'm excited for Kevon Wallace's year. Um, just safety is such a great position, so important, and um, I think he's gonna gonna have a solid season uh, coming in here. This will be his third year, right? Yeah. So I, I just think all in all that you're going to see. I don't think Denzel Johnson and Nolan Turner are gonna be the first guys in there to back up guys at safety during during the season. I think you're gonna see Isaiah Simmons get moved around, um, among other guys. Wallace might move. Um, but we'll see. Um, but I just that is my concern depth wise on this defense is 
the back end at the Sage position. And again, I think we're going to learn stuff real quick here at Texas A&M because Kellen Mond's going to throw the ball. He will, and certainly safety is a very important position cleaning up uh, if we're not able to set the edge and keep contain. Um, they're going to be critical with a fleet-footed quarterback who's which, shifty. Which is all the more reason why it's so important that these front-line defensive linemen do play so well. That's the luxury that we do have is that you know they're going to be putting pressures on, pressure on the quarterbacks, not giving them a lot of times to throw, and hopefully between the linemen and the linebackers, they kind of mop things up. Um, in the run game, you don't have a lot of guys leaking through. But yeah. that remains to be seen. That's the weak point on this team, I mean, not only just because we have – you know, Tanner Muse, like you mentioned, you know what we saw out of him last year. There's definitely a lot of his game that he needs to improve upon. But then again, the, the depth, like, is just unseasoned guys who are starting second strings, or sorry, our second team safeties, we're never, we're not going to claim that they're, they could be the best in the ACC. Right. As a backup unit. Um, only other takeaways from this game, we should move on to our season preview here in a moment. Uh, just special teams. Uh, we mentioned a little bit Amari Rogers and punt return duties looked really strong. Uh, so that's certainly encouraging. Could be could be an asset to this team overall, where we were really just crossing our fingers in the last couple of seasons out of that um, aspect of the team. Um, guys, who do you think is going to be returning kickoffs? So Cornell Powell was back there along with, um, who was it? Who was it? The running back that was Adam choice, Adam choice, which was surprising. He's the, he's Adam choices uses the up guy. You saw a lot of those, uh, pooch kicks last year where the uh, kickers were trying to kind of combat that, at 25 yard line start position where they were trying to not get touchbacks. Um, so he's, he's your up guy in case somebody does that. I mean, I guess he has apparently better hands than some of the other guys on the team is what I would take away from that. I just as well just get rid of that whole unit for college football altogether. But at least they like the because of the fair catch rule. I, I just minimize as many like violent blows as we can. I think if you're trying to minimize violent blows in football, that you're getting rid of football. Well, there's a there's a difference. There's you know, there's one you know particular like part of the game where there's more injuries, and that's kickoffs. Bigger helmets. Uh, el- otherwise, on special teams. Uh, Kicking game. Speaking of that, BT Potter. Yeah. So expect a lot of a lot of uh, touchbacks this year. Great to see. It's going to have a huge impact on things like starting field position. Which those are. If you guys listen to the podcast often, or if you read Bud Elliott, you should. He talks about hidden yards in games against um, opponents, where uh, differences in field position over the course of a game can add up to more bites at the apple of red zone opportunities that can translate into points and wins and losses. Um, so in as much as we can flip the field more and better with a strong defense, um, I think I think pegging them with deep starting position with punting as well as kick, uh, touchbacks instead of runs out to the 35 is going to be a big deal. That stuff adds up. Yeah, and just kind of wrapping up with the kickers, I think just seeing Hugel back and hitting that 49, 50-yard field goal uh, was very encouraging. And I, I think finally, I mean, Hugel was so solid. Um, his first couple of years, he just didn't have that the long ball in him, you know, in his leg, uh, so to speak. But we know he's solid from like 45 in. If he can add that extra five yards, I think this year is to be the first time in a while that we're really confident with a Clemson kicker can go out there and win the game um, with a long field goal. So hopefully we're not put in that position too often. Definitely. Um, all right, that's the Furman game. Great to get a game under our belt. Uh, get the W, of course, another home game for everybody. So hope everyone had fun and. Remember their sunscreen. Um, we 
We'll now move on to our 2018 season preview. All right, guys. Um, so 2018 season, we're already uh, one twelfth of the way through um, our games here, but I think it's still no, we're we're one fifteenth, one twelfth through the regular season. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, let me ask you guys a question. Just as Clemson fans, you know, are you are you ready to watch a team dominate its opponents and be favored by? T- two scores plus in every single game. Well, I think the interesting thing about it this year is that we do have the quarterback battle, so that makes it a little bit more interesting. It's not like Deshaun Watson's going out there and just beating everybody. But other than that, there's not a lot of excitement on the schedule this year. And the games that are normally exciting, um, Florida State, we saw what happened to them against Virginia Tech last night. That was actual brutal beatdown for them. No ranked opponents on our schedule right now. Right. And nope. Uh, soon but, no, no bet, bet, bet. South Carolina's ranked 24 credit where credit is due um we don't we don't we don't do that much that often but they're ranked 24 um but you're right other other than that it's an incredibly weak schedule um and, and the teams like I mean like Florida State that I just mentioned and Louisville losing Lamar Jackson saw them get manhandled uh, by Alabama the other night so it's not a lot of sexy on this schedule right now yeah, and which is a good and bad thing. My hope is there will be a team emerge from the coastal that looks really strong and can be ranked by the time we play. I think it's Virginia Tech. Yeah, I was looking at Virginia Tech and the narrative coming into the season. And, you know, my big thing is let's not overreact too much to week one, one way or the other from any of these teams across the country. But Virginia Tech, their remaining schedule, they do have some tough opponents, but all of those games are at home in Blacksburg. They play Notre Dame, they play Miami, and they play... Uh, Georgia Tech, all in Blacksburg. So uh, take care of business at home, and they've got a pretty light road schedule in the Coastal. Um, they will definitely get points for that beatdown the other night. Maybe it doesn't age that well if Florida State is rough still this year, but uh, I think they could be there, and we probably want them to be because it goes beyond playing a ranked opponent. There could be a crowded set of teams toward the top of the national uh, national scene at the end of the year. And that gives Clemson a, a little bit more breathing room, margin for error, if we should drop a game that we're not expected to lose. So um, I forget what we were favored by in Syracuse last year when we lost that, but um, maybe we can start there. I mean, really for me with this with this preview of the season, I don't think it makes a ton of sense for us to go like game by game of the schedule. I'd rather talk about the path to the playoff. Um, do you guys think we can make the playoff by winning the ACC and having one loss. Well, absolutely. Um, I mean, of course, it depends on what other other teams do around the country, but Clemson gets more of a benefit of the doubt um, at, at this point because of their recent history the past three years making it to the college football playoff. I think you're going to yeah. see that hold some, yeah. some clout. Um, part of it depends on – I mean, I won't even say it depends on when that one loss occurs because the Syracuse and Pitt games came roughly the same time the past two years, and they were in the, the second half of the season. And then just a lot – there was just a lot of other chaos. Um, and you see Clemson end up as the number one-ranked team going into the playoff last year. So, yeah, a one a one loss in the regular season is certainly uh, a manageable at getting in there. I think eventually we're going to see a two-loss team make it in the college football playoff. Um, if they're still, you know, if it expands to eight, obviously that opens up the doors a little bit more. But I think definitely a team like Clemson and their statue with um, with one loss can certainly still make it in. 
after last weekend, I'm having, I'm really having a hard time finding that one loss on the schedule. And we talked about it in our last episode. And you could say, well, the Syracuse thing, but there were some extenuating circumstances for the Syracuse game. Plus, they played a perfect game and they attacked one of our biggest weaknesses, which was our, our depth on our defensive line by by implementing pace. We should have, we should be right. I mean, for one, Kelly Bryant hopefully won't be injured, and then two, we should have enough bodies on the defensive line for that not to happen. So I. Every other game, there weren't wasn't really even close. So no. I'm really having a hard time seeing that loss. And you look at the you look at this. There's a core stretch in our schedule where we have back to back to back NC State um, at home at Florida State and then Louisville at home. In years past, we'd be cursing John Swafford for trying to set us up for a loss. But does that run that that trio run like after a bye? Right, also. strike any fear into your hearts? No, the hardest game. Uh, in regards to those three teams is probably the team that comes after them at Boston College. Right. And the sequencing, I talked about this with the STS guys, it could not have set up better. Just we don't have any weeknight games. All of our road Thank games God. come after home games. There's no two in a row on the road. Um, it it just sets up well. And that that tough stretch or traditionally tough stretch comes right after our, our bye week, which is pretty well situated toward the, the middle to the end of the year. Um, so it's pretty solid across the board. The only thing I would lament, I guess, is the lack of a marquee matchup at home just for the benefit of the fans. Um, there's, I'm not really seeing a home hosting opportunity for ESPN game day. But uh, if South, that's the Car- South Carolina could keep we could beat Georgia this week. They could keep getting better. <laughs> after, the, after they get by Georgia, all they have is the rest of the SEC East. I mean, you know, could be some fool's gold there. So I think we're pretty pretty clearly penciling Clemson coming out of the Atlantic, likely in an undefeated fashion. Um, we'll see on the coastal side who who's able to come out of that. Um, we were originally thinking Miami, and look, they can if they if their backup quarterback can emerge. I don't know that Rozier's got the talent or the upside at this stage to uh, to take that job back over. Um, but if it's not Miami and it is Virginia Tech, still think we'll be a two two score favorite. Maybe not fourteen, but eight to ten. Yeah, it's it's funny, man. You look at two years ago when the ACC had that good run, um, good record against non-conference opponents, uh, especially against the Power Five, and then they had such a great bowl season. We were talking about ACC had the best uh, year for a conference this year. The SEC is on the on the on the downslide, and the ACC looks like they finally got some teams that are looking to contend. You flash flash forward two years later, and you're looking at the ACC, and you're like. Who do you have? Like your best teams just got annihilated um, over the weekend. Uh, it includes Florida State and Louisville. You're relying on the likes of Boston College. You can't even count on NC State. Like they barely pulled it out against James Madison. Miami gets beat. Uh, Virginia Tech looked good, but against Florida State. So a little cannibalism there. It's, you know, we thought it was good at the time and maybe we needed to tell us ourselves it was good at the time because it was a couple of years ago and we hadn't, we had just recently gotten in the playoffs so strength of schedule mattered. But now I think Clemson, you just worry about Clemson. You play well. Okay. Yeah. And, and you beat teams like you should. And Clemson's going to be just fine. But as for the rest of the ACC, we thought all these new coaches coming in like Brocco Mendenhall at Virginia, uh, Justin Fuente, that's, that's played out pretty well for Virginia tech. Um, Dino Babers at Syracuse, um, Mark Rick in Miami. So, you know, of course these guys still have to get their guys in there. Usually year three is when you start to see that transition, um, year three or four. Uh, but 
it's just a weak, weak conference. This is more or less what it was. Like the the last what two or three years, where the ACC had a pretty good run, uh, where we had a couple teams up there. NC State was the like peak of their program. Miami looked like a top ten-ish team over the last year. Um, Florida State, at least they had some preseason hype that made the ACC seem, I guess, inflated there for a bit. But that was kind of like that was more of the aberration. Like this is. Right. This is what the ACC's always been, what, now, what we're faced with now. And I, I agree with you. Uh, I'm just saying, I was hopeful that we were seeing a turnaround. Not because, yeah, obviously it's easier for Clemson if our schedule is weak and we just beat people and get in. But you want to see entertaining football games. At a certain point, when it's halftime and you're up by 21, 28 points, there's no chance the other team is going to score. You start to lose a little bit of interest. You just do. Yeah, and eventually, I mean, right now we're riding on some some benefit. We're riding on a good pedigree, a good showing on the national stage in recent years. That's why I asked the question: like, if we if we do suffer one loss and we don't have a lot of ranked wins on our schedule, and the rest of the ACC is decimated and not very good nationally, do you end up becoming kind of like, you know, um, is that an issue? See, for I, prospects. I think enough other teams are going to lose. Uh, to where one loss isn't going to hurt. But as I mentioned with the two lost teams, I Clemson cannot lose two games. Other teams can. SEC team can. Uh, certain SEC teams can. Um, maybe an Ohio State can, depending on who's they, who they lose to. But there is not two losses, a combination of two losses on the schedule this year that would justify Clemson getting into the college football playoff. Yeah. Certainly not above another not above another two loss team, but certainly not above a, a one loss team is on the fringe. I used this kind of this line of logic last year. If you're messing around and you're losing to you know looking at our schedule, we'll say BC. Well, good luck against Alabama. I mean, so well, if at, that prevents us to go from going to the playoff, then and so be it. Well, it's gonna be able to. I mean, I think the hard part and the biggest threat of a loss for Clemson this year is the guys just not being focused week in and week out. Part of that is good that the the bye week does fall in the middle of the season. But when you're just steamrolling teams, it is hard, even with these guys on this Clemson team, that we know um, their character and their work ethic. You saw it in Pittsburgh. You saw it uh, at Syracuse. Like you can, you can just go out there and flat out lose a game because you're not focused and you're not taking it seriously. And when your competition is so weak from week to week, there is more of a threat of that. What I am hoping for is that because we do have this quarterback battle going, you know, if one guy isn't playing well, he knows his threat of losing his job. And we have just so much incredible leadership on the defensive side of the ball with all our returning uh, starters. I'm hopeful that we'll be able to avoid any of that this year. So if we're pretty confident we're getting out of the ACC, which I think we all all three are in, in agreement on, then I think the question is, can this team win a national championship? And... I think we have all felt from the moment we found out the Power Rangers were returning, each one, let alone when Christian Wilkins sealed the deal and cemented it, um, that this could be the best team in the country. This could be a championship contender or an actual champion. Um, I think there are a few questions we probably need to have answered before we can we can kind of make that our prediction here. And I think maybe one off the bat is the quarterback. You know, Cody, let me ask you. Can Clemson win a national championship if Kelly Bryant's under center? From what I've seen uh, so far, no. If it's it's that simple, Tua Tagovailoa may be the best player in the country, and he's that good. So you need. I mean, I've heard other commentators say that, so I don't feel like I'm, you know, pulling that out of nowhere. 
So no, with Kelly Bryant, no. But Jalen Hurts, possibly. And then even Georgia and Ohio State, I think they're going to both be formidable. And then like Ben will agree with this, Michigan's going to be unbelievable this year as well. <laughs> I was listening to your guys' um, the episode that you did, kind of recapping the, the the first weekend, and we got to Michigan, and I'm like, surely Cody is not going to uh, still after yeah, he he does um, still not giving up on Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. Um, I don't have to tell you how I feel about that. Dude, when I'm wrong, I'm like Jimbo. I just double down. <laughs> give me, give me more Harbaugh. Harbaugh. But the best part is listening to some of the pundits. Um, of course, they use that as an excuse to really hype Notre Dame and like, oh, finally we ranked them high this year and they're gonna live up to it. I'm telling you, a win over Michigan uh, does not make you a shoe in to the college football playoff and to uh, attract to the national championship. They've got some harder teams on their schedule to play. That's fair. I think they've got the path, but maybe flipping it back to Clemson. I mean, I the reason I asked that question, Cody, is we we faced them last year, and the question is like, uh, if Alabama is maybe a click worse on defense this year than they were a year ago, but they're would you say they're one to two clicks better on offense with Tua running it versus a Jalen Hurts? Let's say. I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think they were. 15th in the nation on offense last year, and they should be top five, if not I think, number one. This and Clemson, year. Clemson didn't play a flawless defensive game last year in the Sugar Bowl, but darn near. Like it was, it was a really strong performance. Well, considering the circumstances and how bad the offense was playing, absolutely great game. So while the defense may be even stronger this season, I don't necessarily know. I just think you go back to what is the difference, what's needed, and we may, we may not face Alabama. Period. They may stumble down the down the way. Tua may not be all that. Um, or yeah, anyway, it may not be them that we play. They Auburn, may- Auburn's going to be up there. I mean, they, they go and get a good win against Washington. Um, so, I mean, I know it was a little bit of a, a, a sloppy game, but first game of the season for both teams, Auburn's a team that I think you have to keep your eye on here. Um, Oklahoma, I don't know how much we take out of there. I mean, between Oklahoma, Wisconsin, Ohio state and Georgia, I don't know how much you take out of those games. I mean, same thing with Clemson. I don't know how much you take out of that. I certainly take something out of... You mean the week one matchups. Right. I certainly take something out of Alabama's beatdown of Louisville. I take something out of uh, LSU's beatdown of Miami. But until we really start to see some of these other teams actually play uh, meaningful games against competition is anywhere close to to their level, we're not going to really know. It's just all speculation at this point. So we are uh, followers here on the podcast of Bill Connolly's S&P uh, Plus rankings right now. And again, these are very uh, returning production late in, uh, but he has our offense rated at 27th nationally. Um, our defense is currently coming in at sixth. Um, so, you know, take that with a grain of salt it's still early in the year. But a year ago, we were roughly in the 40 range as an offensive unit. And I feel like for this team to really be a national championship contender, we're going to need to be in the top 15 offensively. So we discussed this. You uh, didn't listen to the end of our episode there, Tully. That's what we get well, for going an hour and a half every time. Ben um, was setting over-unders, and I think he put the over-under oh, I heard it. at 15 and a half. I think we need to be That's under. A, he's responding to that. He thinks we need to be under. Hmm. See, I... I we predicted what we thought we were going to do at the end of the year. Um, I think we can be a top 25 offense, just given how good our defense is. I don't think we have to be top 15. But you know, part of that does depend on who you play um, once you get into the playoff scenarios. If, if it's an Oklahoma of last year, let's say we had somehow got drawn them in the, the Rose Bowl instead of Georgia, 
Um, yeah, you can. I think Clemson would have would have given Oklahoma a game and might even have won with our number forty offense uh, because our defense might have slowed them. I think we were a better defense than Georgia even last year. Um, so you're right; it does depend on the matchup. I just feel like teams are going to be better off this year. I think it's going to be a, a, a much more. Um, there, there's almost like really it's Alabama. <laughs> I mean, and that's of, what I was going to ask. You think either way the path is still forward, is still through Alabama? Can we make that proclamation after seeing them against one game against a Louisville team who lost Lamar Jackson and uh, their offensive line wasn't that good last year? Their defense has never been known as being great. Like, do we make that? Uh, proclamation that prediction right away just out of seeing Tua through you know the the last half of the national championship game last year and the his time that he played in the first game this year I don't know but I mean what I think you can safely say if you look at any team in this top 25 that Alabama would be the one team with the most confidence you say oh yeah they're gonna make it back based off the limited stuff that I saw and just knowing their track record over the past few years just don't ask Nick Saban about his quarterback competition and you know it'll be fine yeah um well maybe focusing this back a little bit on Clemson I think what I believe to be true is this team will expose any team they face in the playoff that doesn't have an elite o-line or an elite quarterback that can just create and I think Alabama's got both of those things so right away they may neutralize our greatest asset which is our defensive line not neutralize and completely you know eliminate the impact they'll have but at least where that is a, is a double plus for us can maybe play that to um, somewhat of a neutral and then I think we need to come up with what is our sort of response to that or where else can we create variance and well, that comes with maybe their defense isn't quite as strong and that's where you have a Trevor Lawrence that Again, he may have to play the game of his career, as you put it the other day, Cody, to for us to have a shot. I, I'm not saying Alabama is that good. We don't know yet. Well, and see, that's a good question. Um, if we're assuming that Alabama's offense is going to be much improved over what was last year with two under center, and they scored, what, 24 points against us uh, in the Sugar Bowl, something like that, then you're going to be expecting Alabama's to be putting up in the 30s, maybe. Is Kelly Bryant capable of scoring more than 30 points against an Alabama defense. Jalen Hurts, that that offensive team put up, what, 31 against us in the national championship game um, right. a couple years ago. Before that, it was in the 40s with Jake, Jacob Coker and uh, Derrick Henry. So, yeah, I certainly feel like that time of year with a, a, game, a battle of a game going back and forth. Like, I think the score this past year was muted because they didn't need to score that much. And our defense was not giving much up. No, I think, exactly. I think this game would be in the, the mid to low well, 30s. The question would have been last year, how bad would they have beat us with two under center? I think it would have been much worse. For sure. Uh, I think so, too. So can a Trevor Lawrence-led Clemson offense go in there and put up 35 against an Alabama defense? The same kind of rule applies there. We don't know Trevor Lawrence's upside, just like we don't know that Tua, which maybe his upside was Louisville, we don't know. If that's sustainable. Yeah, who so, was that guy from, uh, was it Mon from Texas A&M who had that great game against South Carolina, uh, whatever, two years ago, um, uh, to, to, to open the season? Just Starkle. Starkle. Somebody, serious, yeah, yeah, somebody annihilated South Carolina, put up all these numbers, all of a sudden turned into the Heisman chatter, uh, and then he didn't do anything for the rest of the season. I'm not saying that's going to happen to Tua, but it, it, it's one game, you know. You got to take it with a little bit of a grain of salt. It's a Louisville team that was way overmatched. Tua is going to get exposed more when he goes up against teams like Georgia, LSU, and Auburn. 
Yeah, we'll we'll see if that's the thing. We'll see if he gets exposed or not. But I mean, still, you look at you look at Trevor Lawrence. We seen him in a spring game and a game against Furman, and then at Cartersville, Georgia, high school. So like, I mean, we but we can see things that we're like, wow, that will translate against A and M this week. And you can't tell me that like for Tua, like the way that he's moving around in the pocket, which surprisingly, and this is kind of goes against Bama, is that Louisville was really getting a lot of pressure with their defense, especially early on. Um, but he was just doing things that looked a lot like Deshaun Watson. And and the fact that he wasn't, he, he seemed to be more focused downfield um, and, and not as erratic throwing the ball and in great accuracy. I, I don't know. Yeah, I think Auburn's going to give him some trouble, Louisville or uh, LSU as well. But I think he's I think he's the real deal. I, I would say maybe his, his erratic style where he's moving about lends itself to, to injury or taking some hits and at six feet, what, 190? He's not tall. Is he going to get yeah. back up and, yeah. and be able to take that against once, you know, Clee hits you a couple times? I mean, I'll, I will say one thing that I think sets Clemson apart and which gives me lots of confidence about this whole season and the prospect of playing a very strong juggernaut in Alabama is Clemson may not be the most talented team in the country by blue chip rate and who we actually have on the team this year. It's a very talented roster, but they're definitely not in the top. But the depth, the continuity, the leadership coming back, the continuity of coaching – all of that stuff can add up. And the fact that all of those other teams you've mentioned are going to have a harder fight to get out of their conference, likely going to have to play their starters a lot longer than we will ours. That's when you open things up to other teams potentially being banged up. And I'm not saying that's the only way we win at all. I'm just saying we have a lot of things in our favor that other teams don't have. Yeah, but that, that, depth, that depth gap does start to close once you get into a playoff scenario because the top teams in the country have talent all across the board and it, it goes deep into their lineups it's funny how you know leading up into the season as of like last week the week before that we're talking about on paper this could be the best most talented uh, team that, that clemson has ever seen and we see one game from alabama to start the season and it has us backpedaling like whoa whoa hmm. don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves yeah um it, it's hard it's it's not easy even when you're the best best team in the nation it's um, just on paper, maybe it, it's hard to go through the season, win every game. You've seen that, and then win a, a national championship. And sometimes the best team doesn't win um, because certain things happen. Um, but we'll see. Again, it's kind of funny that we're backpedaling a little bit, and there's this, this big reaction to, to everybody seeing. Did, did what, you see the Louisville Alabama game? Uh, <laughs> okay, and I understand that, but let's. Let me ask Louisville you guys, is not of, going to be a very good football team. Who's the worst matchup for Clemson to face in the playoff? That's not Alabama. Just from what you guys know about our perceived weaknesses, I mean, I think I would have to answer whichever team emerges with the most effective passing game. I would be interested to see. It could be Georgia. I want to see how their defense bounces back after losing so many guys. Um, but we know they're stacked at running back. We know what Fromm can do as a quarterback. Um, Auburn. He's turning over receivers, though, right? I mean. Yeah. Auburn could be another team. Um, they've got to work out their running back situation. But Stidham's good. We know they got a great defense. Um, it's hard for me to take Ohio State seriously until. Or, or Oklahoma, honestly, until they. I don't know. I'm I think still Dwayne just like Haskins drunk is, off those last wins. Dwayne Haskins at Ohio State, freshman. Uh, sorry, he's I believe a sophomore right now. Um, their starter there, super strong. I'm not going to go ahead and say he's a uh, um, their their new you know Deshaun Watson, if you will, but he's one I would look at as um, possibly the best quarterback out of all these ranked team out of all these teams. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just looking at the, the top ten here, and I I think there's probably six teams that have a legitimate shot of actually winning it all. I mean, if I had to be real honest. Probably three or four. Probably three or four. Yeah. Um, I think there's six teams that could – I don't know, and you can't even say that, like, there are six teams that, are, that would stand not to get embarrassed in the first round of the playoffs because we've seen so many teams get embarrassed in the first rounds of the playoffs. Like, yeah. I don't know why we're talking about going from Expanding. four to eight teams when the, the first games are so boring because there's clearly two teams that are so much better than everybody else. I mean, we went in last year as number one, but we knew. Come on. We weren't, you know. Yeah. Yeah, there's we been, know what number one looks like. There's basically been two or three good semifinal games, like period, in the playoff era. That Rose Bowl last year was like the best, and beyond that, it's been pretty much one-sided affairs. Yeah. So, um, I don't know, Cody. Anyone in, in the top ten feel like a particularly tough matchup for us? I'm gonna say Michigan because I'm I'm kidding. That's a joke. Ohio State is the team I'm gonna look out for because of Haskins, like for the reasons you mentioned. I, you know, I don't buy, like, there's some things that will translate, but I just, the, fr- the fact of the matter is I don't want to go back and watch them play. Um, a re- I don't want to see a replay of Oregon State. So, hmm. but they, though they have some tests coming up soon enough. Um, I don't think Oklahoma would be, I don't know, we'll, we'll see, but I don't think that they're going to be a team that would give us as much trouble because their defense, we presume, will be pretty weak. And then Georgia, I, I'm still like I'm still like looking at Georgia, thinking I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're just really motivated after what happened last year. And they're talented; they have gobs of talent on that football team. Yeah, they've been recruiting lights out. Um, so yeah, I agree with you. I mean, at the end of the day, if we, we're talking about who's going to be in the playoff at the end of the year, I can certainly see a situation where there's two SEC teams again, and the Big Twelve and the Pac-12 get left out. Yeah, it could be. And, you know, um, Washington did not completely shoot themselves in the foot by losing to Auburn. They're still ranked nine. They could still win out uh, their regular season and win their conference championship game and find themselves in the playoff picture again. But we, Washington has a tendency to lose a game that they that they shouldn't uh, in the Pac-12 during the season. And people are not going to take Washington as seriously with two losses. Um, when you're comparing them against another one-loss SEC team being the second team in. Um, same thing with the Big 12. I can certainly see this a situation that if Oklahoma falls off a little bit, who else are you counting for in, in the Big 12 to come in there and make a move? I think TCU is your next yeah. team in line. I don't think... All the way back at 16. Yeah, I don't think yeah. they're prime for playoff run. Wisconsin from the Big 10 is... I mean, I don't think they're... I mean, we'll see if they stick. They only won, won their side of the, the conference last year. It's kind of a fluke. They walked into stuff. So I, I mean, I'm 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 up on Wisconsin this year. Horny Brooks um, starting to get a little more experience in their offense, but again, they're not a national title contender in my opinion this season. Especially they lost their best receiver to some legal issues. So um, there's definitely some tears emerging, and I think that. Big Ten, there's a scenario it's, where the Big Ten gets left out. Yeah, they can definitely cannibalize themselves with one, two losses around the horn, um, especially with some of their out-of-conference stuff already being played so tight. So Notre Dame having a marquee victory over I, over Michigan. I mean, Notre Dame, I called them... The, See how that looks at the end of the year. I called them the turd in the punch bowl. Like If they run the table, you know they're getting in, just from an, a hype standpoint and the brand and 
Um, hey, if Notre Dame goes undefeated, then they're going to be one of probably two undefeated teams in the country, maybe three. Sure, absolutely. With their schedule, they deserve to be in. Then, uh, then I don't think they're letting two SEC teams in. Like true, because that takes away one of those spots. Them just, being a non-conference affiliate to to go Notre Dame and two SEC teams, and then let three power fives out. Like I don't think that's happening. Well, we'll I mean, see. again, it's, the game's it's all about play who's out. most yeah. deserving. Like if Georgia and Alabama are undefeated and they play a three overtime SEC championship, like maybe, but um, well, Notre Dame does have a tougher schedule. So, I mean, they've got, they're at Blacksburg. You mentioned that earlier uh, here at the beginning of October. Um, they got Homer against Stanford. Home against FSU. We saw that's going to go at USC to end the year, but it's yeah. very feasible that, or it's plausible that they only have one loss. And then you have it. That you still then have. Then that's the question. Predicament that, yeah, there. that begs the question. What they don't have is they won't have a conference championship game. And we've we've seen that leave the Big Twelve out um, as a precedent. I would so, love it because then they might be forced to join full time. Well, I think that's the angle because you guys mentioned this in last episode how like we sporadically have them on the schedule in the years that we do. It keeps us from scheduling another big Power Five conference. I'm cool with playing Notre Dame like once at home and once away every once in a while. If they're not built into the conference schedule. But once they start taking away other Why teams, I'd really them more than Virginia Tech or, or you know, anyone of, from the coastal because of Jesus, touchdown Jesus, <laughs> touchdown Jesus and money. And he's got and some. Yeah, look, I get it. You know, the revenue is better for everybody in Clemson, Notre Dame. That sells. It's nice, but to sacrifice better out of conference matchups that we can go out and get on our own anytime we want. Yeah. Hello, we just put LSU in Georgia, and it's like, a road trip. That'd be great. I'd love to go to South Bend once. I don't want to go to Indiana twice, okay? Once is good. Mm. Um, all right. Well, uh, I guess maybe before we make overall predictions for this season, I wanted to ask you guys, are there any kind of sleeper narratives of this Clemson team, any bold predictions you guys want to make, um, anything that you think is going to change maybe a little bit the, the trajectory of what we've been talking about? Yeah, I think it's a very real possibility that should Kelly Bryant lose the starting job to Trevor Lawrence – before the fifth game of the season that you could see him sit out the rest of the year and transfer to reclaim um, his, his graduate year. I mean, it doesn't do him any good to ride the bench this year as far as NFL prospects are concerned. I could certainly see that happening. And if that does happen, and I'm not saying that's a reason to, to not start Trevor Lawrence if he's definitely the best guy. But if you're the Clemson coaches, you got to tell this kid what's best for him. And if Trevor, if Kelly Bryant's like, listen, I'm not going to play. I'm going to leave and go play somewhere else. If you don't have a plan for me, and Trevor Lawrence is definitely number one, I could see that happening. And if it does, you're down to two scholarship quarterbacks, and you're on thin ice. It gets a little bit dicey at that point. Would you? Let's say he decides to go that route. Do um, you think he would just leave the team? You know, after week five or before then. Um. Yeah, yeah, because you, to play yeah, is. you're not going to be around there on the sidelines, right? They're not going to let you on the sidelines. So again, he he threw out there the the thought of transferring crossed his mind in the off season. Um, so we know that that was from the horse's mouth. So let's see how it plays out. Again, I think there's a scenario where where Trevor Lawrence could certainly win the job this weekend if he plays demonstrably better than Kelly Bryant. And there's also a scenario where Kelly Bryant. Plays great. He shakes some of those jitters he had in the opening game, and he takes the job. So, and, and maybe he loses it down the road, which is one thing. But again, let's see how these first four games play out. I think that's a very interesting narrative. 
I personally believe Kelly's committed. Like, even if that does happen this weekend and things change, I think he will. He's already shown just in, you can hear it in Trevor Lawrence interview answers and he's extremely coached in the media training, but I think he's, I'm sure he's had the conversation with Dabo. I think he's committed to, to sticking around and playing whatever role they decide for him, and he's going to give it. And he's his been best. A, he's been a great mentor and leader right. uh, to exactly. these young quarterbacks and everybody else on the team. So you got to give him that. Yeah, this whole loyalty thing, the the KB, like the whole. It's again, I call it virtue signaling. It's the vir- like this, you have to pay like whatever tribute to KB before you can say that Trevor Lawrence is better. That's just. Well, but, but I don't think we're talking about that. We're talking about Kelly Bryant specifically. Well, let me finish my thought. Um, no, I, I know what you're saying, but I was, all I was going to say is like the loyalty will be there with him beyond his his tenure with Clemson. He'll have a chance to be a you know, grad assistant if he wants, come back and coach. The whole upstate will be there with the Clemson grads and uh, Clemson grads and, and a network of alumni, alumni that will help support him. Like. What about his NFL aspirations? What about the fact that this, I mean, whether or not that you think he's going to be an NFL quarterback, he could be very well an NFL player at some position with his athleticism. You're just writing him off as he's just going to ride into the sunset, be a graduate assistant at, at Clemson. I mean, for the kid himself, it's, again, I'm not talking about the fans' loyalty or anything that we feel like we owe him. I'm talking about for him, if he gets benched before the fifth game of the year, he has a decision to make what about what make he of, wants for yeah. his future. What do you make if you're, you're KB and that goes down, Cody? And, and in your heart of hearts, you want to play ball in the league. Well, um, I don't think he's going to play ball in the league. I don't think there's a remote possibility at quarterback that he will. So, yeah, if he if he if he's like wide receiver, which I don't think he's going to transform in one year to a All American wide receiver that's going to be a NFLer, a, a pro. But I think just. What makes the most sense is you have a bunch of people in Clemson, South Carolina, and the upstate that love you, and yet you're well ingrained into the network. Like pursue football outside of like coaching or being an agent. Like the dude's smart. Everyone knows of his character. I don't. I, I don't. There's so much more to football, or so much beyond football. I'm just and right. So you're into the point where you're giving him life life advice right now. But I'm just saying from his perspective, not what you think he should do, or what path he should take from his perspective. And yeah, we don't fully know. respect it if he left, though. Yeah. Like if that's what yeah. he wanted to do, whether it be to just play another year quarterback or to trend, uh, you know move over to wide receiver or whatever yeah. position. And I'm saying safety. If, if that happens, then it gets scary as far as our quarterback depth is concerned. Yeah, and maybe let's talk through that contingency just for 30 more seconds. Chase Bryce is your backup. Trevor Lawrence, wet behind the ears freshman, certainly a lot of talent, but helming an offense, you know, leading a championship run, you hope – uh, the coaching staff having done that already with, um, you know, a young, very talented quarterback in Deshaun Watson can lead him um, to where he needs to be. But what do we do? Chase Price is our backup. What's our who's our third stringer at that point? Is it is it Batson? Ben Batson. Then Hunter Renfro. Then Jimmy Greenbeans. But I mean, let's be honest, uh, like Dr. B has said this. Um, we could win the ACC with three quarterbacks. We can only win the national championship with one. So if it has to be the best out of the three, which yeah, he had a, someone in mind when he said. Well, I'm sure he did. <laughs> so I know what the speculation if, if, is. If, if, I mean, you know, we don't want to get down to Ben Batson this year, but if we do, we're probably not going to win a playoff game anyway. Or we're not going to if Trevor Lawrence goes down, we're probably not going to win a playoff game anyway. We're certainly not going to win a national championship. So that's regardless of if KB's there or not, right? Exactly. Um. So. Cody, how about you? Any bold predictions? Yeah, I was going to say this is not a huge hot take. There's this guy named T. Higgins on the outside, and 
I'm, I'm partially joking, but in all honesty, I, we've, there's a lot of talk about the wide receivers, how great they are. Lost in all that is, I think, maybe one of the best, if maybe the best wide receiver in wide receiver you under Dabo. I think he'll, you'll, he's going to like come into his own this year. And we're going to be like, oh, wow, there's, they're all really good, but there's one that's a little bit better than the others. Well, I wanted to ask you guys, maybe as we continue to unpack this prediction, who, who our offensive and defensive MVPs are. You going? I'm going to go T, even yeah. over Etienne, and we're going like non-quarterback offensive MVP. If you want, by the end of the year, I, th- I think Trevor Lawrence will be our offensive MVP. That's where I was going. I mean, if I have to give it an honest assessment, as much as I want Kelly Bryant to to play great, um, we hear too many great things about Trevor Lawrence, and then we started to see that last weekend, and we'll see uh, moving forward. So that will be my pick on the defensive side of the ball. Um, Big Dex could very well be Big Dex. I mean, he can do so many things when healthy, just stuffing the run game. You saw him, he would just gather like three or four guys against Furman and just kind of hold them down while everybody else did damage. Um, and so, and then he'll also get in there at the pass rush. So, going Big Dex. I think we're unanimous. How about you on D? Maybe Clee. Maybe Clee. Yeah. But Dex is, he is the T Higgins of the defensive tackles. I saw him in one play against Furman, just use his hands and move the guy to the side the way that, you know, he would move me to the side. Cody is a very slight man, just for, for listeners uh, who have not seen him. He's got a Furman physique. <laughs> uh, well, how about maybe a little more interesting? Compares favorably to a mere trap. Since we were unanimous, um, maybe who's your, like, unsung hero of the, of the offense and defense? I'll go first. Justin Falsinelli is my answer. Um, I think... Center position, he had a really good preliminary first year starting last year. I think he continues that, um, but doesn't get all the credit he deserves on offense. Um, Offensive side of the ball, unsung hero. You know, I might go, could be Garrett Williams. Um, Might go Greg Hewell, a kicker, just having a a solid kicker that you can trot out there. Nice, and we don't even have to talk about special teams now. I'm going to Mari Rogers. I think we missed something on the outside by not having the toughness, the, the running back at the two position, like what we have with Artavis. I think getting that back adds a little something to the offense, get a little bit more yardage on the screens, and uh, just in general, he can do some things that we haven't seen in a while. Defense, I'm high on Kevon Wallace. I think uh, safety is critical even in this defense where the front is so important. Um, just continuing to shore things up on the edge and um, over the top. Well, I read an article by the Kraken at ClemsonPauls.com. Shout out to those guys. He, he had an article about Tanner Muse uh, where he, he mentioned the weak side safety is is the toughest position to play in Venable's defense. So he, he reviewed some film from last year, and he actually said that he graded out, Muse graded out a little bit better than he first thought. And uh, he's he's primed to have a really big year, and we can't fully understand why it's so hard. As you know, at, you know, the, we say casual Clemson fan, but it's really when you, you have duties between run support and um, and getting back into coverage, really tough to really tough position to man. And I'm gonna go with him for that. Yeah. So when I think of unsung hero, I think uh, along the guys that maybe aren't necessarily starters that do things quietly. And um, I'll go Albert Huggins here. I think it's a guy that's poised to have a really good year. He's going to be able to spell um, uh, both uh, Christian Wilkins and, and Dexter Lawrence when needed, if needed. Um, and he's your starter 1A 
out there on the, or sorry, wouldn't be on the, the defensive tackle position. So here in his graduate is last year. I, I think that you're going to, um, he could be the, hunk, the, the guy, the unsung hero. And again, the more, the more plays you give the other guys off, the fresher they are at the end of the games where maybe a, a inferior team is stuck with you. But when it gets to the end of the game and you just have fresh talented guys out there and they don't, that, I mean, that wins ball games, right? That's the difference. Well, I think it's prediction time, guys. Are we national champions? Are we winning two out of three? All right. So two years ago, coming off of the loss in the national championship game to Alabama, Deshaun Watson going into his last year, I predicted 15-0 national championship just because I had to. How could I miss out on that, right? I couldn't be the guy that didn't pick it. Um, this year I'm struggling a little bit because I don't have that kind of that, that freebie card. It's okay to be a homer just because we all are at this point. Um, we know what greatness looks like for this football team. We know what greatness looks like for Alabama. We know what it takes to win a national championship. Uh, there is no reason for this football team to lose a regular season game or really the ACC championship game based off of what I've seen so far. Then really it, it takes us into a playoff. I expect us to be a better football team than last year on both sides of the ball. That certainly gets us past our first round game that puts us in the national championship. And I really, I see us playing Alabama again. I don't see us playing Alabama in the first round just because I don't think they're going to drop to four. Um, and I don't think I see, I think between Clemson and Alabama, you see one of those teams stay number one all year long. So I think you see the rematch again. And just because I know more about Alabama's quarterback situation We've seen what Tua can do, and it's unproven yet as to what Trevor Lawrence can do here in his first year. I unfortunately think that Clemson may lose in the national championship game with one loss. And that means Alabama. Fair enough. I, I feel the same. I, I think we could talk all day about the BCs and Wake Forest and Georgia Techs of the world on our schedule, even Virginia Tech and Miami for that matter. And it's just, it kind of rings hollow. Uh, you know, we're, we're digging a little bit. I don't. This team is just too good from top to bottom, and they have the right leadership. I heard Ben Bowyer in an interview with Larry Williams of Tiger Illustrated, and he talked about how much his senior year he took sociology as a major, um, and because he considered that a lesser degree, um, just so he could spend more time going over tape, and talked about how much of an advantage that was for him. So the right guys are in the locker room, and I, I you know, I don't think we fully realize how important that sort of thing is. Comes down to quarterback play. I think the yeah great. Great segue. I think the next, I think next Saturday when you're in uh, College Station, I think the Trevor Lawrence era begins. There's going to be learning, a learning curve. There's going to be some growing pains, but I think he's going to be good. He's going to hit some level of of what we think he'll be this year. And the only loss that we could have on our schedule, I believe, would be in the national championship game. Ultimately, though, I think those those core four that returned or core three along the defensive line will will be the reason we we prevail. Yeah, and, and it, it's Lawrence. just really hard for rookie quarterbacks, like freshmen, true freshman quarterbacks, to go in there and lead a team uh, throughout the year. I mean, two obviously came in the second half last year and won that game for Alabama. But it's just tough. We saw Deshaun Watson. He had to take his lumps, really, before he won one uh, with his swan, swan song there. So... That's why I'm I'm hesitant to anoint Trevor Lawrence yet, and I wouldn't be backing up what I've said so far as we we haven't seen it on the field yet. Now, I could change my tune very easily after this weekend's game, the weekend after that, as he continues to get better and progress, and maybe Kelly Bryant improves 
as drastically as well. We'll see. But we know what we got out of Tua. We think we know what we got out of Tua more so than we do out of um, you know Lawrence or Bryant. So that's why I'm going there at this point. But check back in with me after a few more games. I might change my tune. For the record, I am going 15-0 national championship. And I, and I really think Alabama's going to be good. Not denying that. Who you got, Tully? Wait, what's your prediction? National championship. Clemson? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm also predicting uh, a national championship for Clemson this year. I think. <laughs> uh, and I'm, I'm the guy that's always being called the homer, the Clemson it, homer. You guys. You, know, you guys. I do think um, taking away the run is part of Alabama's DNA. It's what they do. But I think it's a, a wrinkle that Clemson will see our best rushing offense to date um, under Tony Elliott. And that combined with a really capable passing game held by Trevor Lawrence can be enough. It's going to be an out. Obviously, it's a football game. It's going to be an outscore them type of thing. But I think it's going to be more of an offensive duel than we've seen to date in this matchup. In his career, how many national championships do you see Trevor Lawrence winning? I'm going two. So the, set the over under at one and a half. You're yeah. going over. Yeah. I'll be happy with one. Uh, be really happy getting any but yeah i would say if it's one it's not this year i don't think if it's two could be this year yeah i mean maybe thinking through that this is the all-world defense that clemson has but knowing what we have coming in recruiting wise can you see it's me more depth in the secondary yeah more depth in the secondary maybe a step backward defensive line depth overall but talents looks to be pretty strong Talent's good. We're kind of He's going to leave early, though. He's got three seasons. So Lawrence? Well, yeah, of course he is. We're an even-year type of team. We're like the Giants in the early 2000-teens or whatever. So I think, I mean, it, it just does shake out that way. Where the thing 16, we haven't mentioned 18, yet, 20. it's a rematch against Bama. That motivates this program. Right. The coaches find the way to do that. So I mentioned it earlier, a lot of the continuity factor, the leadership in the locker room, this really already does feel like you know a family of a, of a program and a squad at this point, and Alabama to me, strikes me as a group of mercenaries, personally. Um, they have coaching turnover left, right, and center. Um, so they may be more talented, but I think this group is going to work hard together to get it done. We're just going to keep predicting national championships every year, no matter what, huh? I, I picked 9-3 last year in, in Michigan to make it to the playoff. Yeah, so don't listen to anything Cody has to say. I think I actually predicted we would lose in the first round of the playoff last year. Unfortunately, I'm going to go dig that up and prove. No, no, you're not. If we don't, you're not going to. <laughs> it's like, listen to exactly what totally says. <laughs> hey, 30 points last week. It's my season. I mean, season of Tully. Proof's in the pudding. Um, all right. Well, that's our that's our prediction show. Um, before we kind of wrap here, want to keep you guys posted on, on, on some content we have coming up. I'm hoping to track down a buddy to talk through some A&M in an interview format and get that live. We will certainly do a recap with Ben once he's back from College Station. Um, ben, are you going to be out and about at tailgates? I'm sure a lot of our listeners are going to be down there. Yeah, so I'm uh, flying into Austin on Thursday. i uh, going to stay in Austin, taking a party bus with the, the Austin Clemson group uh, down to, to College Station for the game that morning, and then coming back that evening, staying in Austin again on Sunday. Uh, and then heading back on Monday. We thought about staying in Texas a for longer, but from everything we've heard from people, College Station is kind of, and, you know, Austin's a pretty fun town. So I fully Austin expect Ross. to see a lot of orange. Cody, where are you watching the game? 
with you, my friend, at the boardroom. That's right. Uh, if anyone's in the Bay Area, come to the boardroom. If you are not in the Bay Area, you should come out and watch a game with us at the boardroom. Um, it's our alumni bar here. They actually moved across the street into a new space. They're working on their um, VIP lounge where we're going to be able to watch Clemson games soon enough. But we're really excited. Uh, we should have a great turnout this weekend. But uh, wherever you watch it, enjoy it. Uh, should be should be an awesome game. We're not going to do a, a podcast preview, but guys, any any concern over this one? No, not really. I mean, it'll be interesting. I mean, the, the the team going into a hostile environment with the I mean, not going to see the young guys play as much. Uh, but you know, it doesn't really matter to me what Trevor Lawrence does because I think Kelly Bryant at his best, limited though that may be, is more than enough to beat Texas. He shines under the bright lights. We've seen it. Not under the bright lights where you've got especially with Alabama a good supporting cast. Again, yeah. Kelly Bryant with the supporting cast this year, it's different than last year. I, I predict that it's there's gonna be it's gonna be an ugly first quarter. Let's say that. Well, Trevor Lawrence comes in in the second quarter. Is that what you're getting at? <laughs> you know, you can, read, you can read between the lines if you want. No, maybe you're predicting some rust on both sides. I mean, both games had tune-ups against FCS-level opponents. I think you're going to see a more focused Clemson team. It's going to it's going to be a more well-defined offensive game plan, and the defense is. Listen, it's going to be this defense average like giving up 14, 13 points a game last year. That's only going to be better this year. And Texas A&M isn't holding Kelly Bryant or Trevor Lawrence to less than 14 points. Yeah, that's true. Um, all right, well, we will be back the recap. Um, hopefully, increasingly, we'll be doing some interviews here. Um, nothing really all that imminent to report, but um, really want to get everyone's feedback on kind of this new content we're testing out. So uh, please keep that coming. We appreciate all the listens. Ben, you got any shout-outs? Uh, yeah, Will Dukes, William Wilson, sorry, on Facebook. Uh, thanks, guys, for your messages and your, your interactions with us. And, again, thanks for listening to the show. Uh, Clemson tweets on Twitter. It's at Clemson RT. That stands for we retweet, I believe, for uh, you people like me who are non-social media savvy. Um, and then we got a message on Podbean. We don't know what that is, but we we appreciate it. If you're real, we suspect it might be Russian trolls, but Russian bots. In Russian bots. Hello to Russian bots. Uh, but you know, whatever. They're being nice to us. You know what? Russians are nice. You just go along with things. Cody, what you got? Good, good stuff as always. All right, thanks, Cody. Well, Ben, you got to pack. I got to get home. Yeah, man. Great recap show. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Um, we never really plug the podcast, so uh, please be sure to subscribe to the show that way you don't miss any of our episodes and content. Tell a friend. It's not that hard. I'm sure they, uh, if you made it this far, I'm sure they would like to as well. Yeah, and now that we're done with all our season previews, um, the recaps will be an hour or less, we promise. <laughs> Indeed. Um, and, you know, maybe we'll be better off posting more shorter form content, too. So we're going to test that stuff out. But um, in any event, we really have fun doing the podcast. We appreciate the listens. Follow us online. We post on Facebook and Twitter pretty often, um, depending which of those you, you happen to still use. So uh, check us out there. That's all we got here at the podcast. Thank you. And as always, go Tigers. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. I'm your host, Nick, joined tonight by Ben and Cody, and Clemson is 1-0. That's correct, Tully. Shocker. Is that our Furman recap? Are we going to talk about this game here? And that's it. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the Clemson Podcast. 48-7. Uh, Clemson decisive victory, guys. 
start over. <laughs>